Hey, good morning, everyone. Great to see you. Welcome to New Life Patterson. My name is Jeremy. I'm the campus pastor here for this location. In case you are visiting with us for the first time, if you're new. And also, uh, if you are new, then we have a gift for you. So before you leave, we want you to head out these doors, turn to your left, and you'll see our Welcome Center. And we have these cool little mugs. It's got our uh, logo on it, and that is our gift to you for being here for the very first time. So we just want to say thank you for checking us out today. And also, if, you're, uh, if you are driving around, you're shopping around for a church, and you don't have a place to, that you call home yet, that we just want to say to you, welcome home. Thank you so much uh, for being here, and thank you for your enthusiasm, Sean. <laughs> Love it. Hey, well, we got just a few things uh, that we want to uh, remind everybody about. Uh, don't forget, in two weeks from today, two weeks from today, we have our very first Harvest Fest here for our campus, okay? So that's going to be on Sunday, October the 30th from 5 to 7 p.m. Now, we do need a few more uh, tricker trunk or treaters, okay? So uh, if you want to get involved with, with that, we actually have some examples, right? Do we have a picture of that? Do we have some examples? No, we don't have those. So if you, um, if you are wondering what, what does it look like to uh, have a trunk or treat, then uh, go to Pinterest, go to Etsy or whatever, and just kind of Google, you know, or, or what does it look like to have a successful or a cool, look, uh, cool trunk or treat, uh, and they can give you some ideas from there. But we, I would love to have 10 or 20 uh, cars out there. I know Pastor Brett's bringing his motorcycle, right? And I, hey, I've been building you up for the last two weeks. If there's anybody that could do a trunk or treat out of their motorcycle, it's Pastor Brett. He'll build something that looks cool and he'll drive it all the way here. So uh, that's going to be uh, a lot of fun. So we've got some food trucks that's going to be here. We have some other things uh, for the kids. It's not just for our uh, campus. It's open to the entire community. So we're going to be advertising that, promoting it. Uh, so bring your family, bring your friends. It's going to be a good, safe place for the kiddos to do some trick-or-treating. But we do need some more trunks, okay? So be thinking about what you can do and uh, put those ideas together. And uh, that's going to be a lot of fun that night, okay? Um, also, if you came prepared to give today, we just want to say thank you so much for your outrageous generosity. Uh, so proud of this campus, how we're growing in our generosity uh, here at this campus. And uh, we, we've been trying to give you regular updates about where we are financially. And uh, so we just wanted to say thank you. However, however you give, we, you can give four different ways here at New Life. You can give physically at our giving stations that we have located at our exits. You can do that through our app, which is the easiest way to give. Uh, you can do it through the website or you can mail that in. But we just want to say thank you because we could not do it without your faithfulness. And also, a few weeks ago, we talked about... <clears throat> Um, money canvas. It's something that we offer here. We know that uh, a lot of people just need breathing room. You know, when they look at their finances, they look at their income, they look at their outgo, and they're just like, I, I can't even breathe. And so we have a, 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 a resource that we're offering through Thrivent, uh, and it's called Money Canvas. If you want any information about that, then you can just, you can find these out at our Welcome Center, or you can see uh, Larry. Larry, ra raise your hand back there. Larry actually is a representative of Thrivent, and so we think, uh, we're so thankful to have somebody like that uh, attending our, our, our campus and just can help us uh, see a light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, a lot of times in our finances, it's an oncoming train. And so uh, Thriving is, is a great resource to look ahead and say, how can I help create some breathing room in my finances? So if you have any questions about that, uh, then you can go see Larry back there, or you can just pick one of these up at our Welcome Center, okay? All right. You guys ready to dive into the Word today? As we continue our series on guardrails, we've been going through the, the Ten Commandments uh, over the last 
uh, several weeks. But before we get to that, um, uh, back in the 90s, um, your pastor was in a group. I wasn't a groupie. I was actually in a group. And I sang, and we have a picture of your pastor with hair. <clears throat> hey, why, why is me with hair so funny? Yeah, so anyway, so yeah, that one's me looking all cool with my guitar and my boots. And so, uh, yeah, so a buddy of mine, uh, we put a group together called To Inform. And so we traveled all over the place and did camps and youth groups and church services, and we had a great time doing that. And so just over the years, uh, we had kids and kind of went our separate ways, and we just kind of lost contact. And uh, a couple of months ago, God reconnected us, and so he's here with me today. So, Kurt, raise your hand. Yeah. He and, he and his wife, Beverly, and their daughter, Anna, are here with us. And so, man, I love you, buddy. I love you guys. And uh, it was so great because, no, we don't, no. <clears throat> yeah. We'll do that next time. We did not prepare a song. Yeah. It was funny because all the, uh, we've been together for three days now, and we were like, I don't even remember the words to this one song, and we're trying to sing it, but hey, we'll put one together next time. He's, he's going to keep coming out and visiting us. So um, love you guys. So great to reconnect, and so thank you for being here this morning. Hey, Exodus chapter 20. Um, I think I look better bald, by the way. Yeah. I didn't have a choice, so here we go. Hey. <laughs> Hey, remember, if you don't get anything else from this series, I want you to remember this. This is super important. Pastor Dave and I were sitting down and thinking, what is the most critical thing that we want people to learn about guardrails, about the commandments? And it's this. We do not want anyone to walk away from this series believing that the Ten Commandments are the path to God. They are not the path to God. The Ten Commandments is not the condition of God's love and relationship. It's the evidence that a relationship between us and God already exists. I didn't create rules and regulations for my kids before they were born. As they were born and as they grew up, I, then, that's when Jan and I began to come up with some rules and some stipulations and some guidelines because we love them and we want to protect them. We wanted to guard them and guide them. So we came up with our own house rules. And so this is God's way of saying that I love my people so much. I already have a relationship with them. So I'm going to give them the law, these 10 commandments included, to protect them and to guide them. And so last week we mentioned that sometimes we think the Ten Commandments are in place so that God can turn bad people into good people. But that wasn't God's intentions at all. Obeying God's rules will not make us good. Because to whom are we comparing the term good? God? Because that just doesn't work. We'll never be as good as God. God's not trying to make bad people good. He's trying to keep free people free. So week one, we talked about the first and second commandments, that God gets first place, to have no idols ahead of God, don't reduce God, don't minimize him or make him manageable. And then last week, we dissected the third commandment, which was not taking God's name in vain. Don't try to use God's name for your own agenda or for your own purposes. And that brings us to today's commandment, number four. And this one actually takes first place for being the most wordy of all of, the other, uh, all of the other commandments, and there's a reason for that. And I believe it's because God knew what kind of people that we are. You see, from the very beginning, as God uh, begins to close the loopholes in this commandment, he doesn't just say, uh, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. He actually goes into 
kind of a dissertation as to why, because he knows what kind of people we are. And notice as we read the scripture, all the loopholes that God closes so that we can't come up with all these excuses as to why we don't want to obey this commandment. Let's read it. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, which means to be set apart, which means to be unique. Six days a week are set apart for your daily duties and regular work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any kind of work. This includes you, your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. Then he rested on the seventh day. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Will you bow your heads with me real quick? Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we just pray, God, that we will honor you with the rest of this service. And Father, I pray that you'll speak your words to your people and that we can take it to our hearts and let it just embed itself into our spirits, take root in our souls so that we can really obey this command. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Now, did you notice all the closing loopholes in this? It's, 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 it's one of those things where God's going to say, you know, you're not going to come up with something that I didn't already think of. God's not going to say, wow, I didn't think of that one, Jeremy. You know, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy unless you're a workaholic. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy unless there's just too much to do. Because then you don't have to keep. No, God closed all the loopholes in that verse. Here's the translation of the fourth commandment. Thou shalt take a day off. It's that simple. Thou shalt take a day off. It's God saying, I'm commanding you to take a day off. And you, you have to love of God, love a God that makes that a priority for us. This is God saying, I'm commanding you to take a day and unwind, to take a day and unplug. I'm commanding you to unwind and be refreshed and be renewed, to be rejuvenated. And it's God's way of looking out for us. Remember the definition of a Sabbath. We've given this before, to rest or to cease. One theologian put it this way, to take a deep breath, for 24 hours to take a breather. For six days, do all that you need to do, work, study, shop, whatever, you go for it. Do it all well. Do what you got to do. But on the seventh day, rest. Now, don't you think that if you only had 10 commandments to give people that you'd come up with something a little more important than this? Taking a day off, Lord, lands that high up on the priority list. I mean, taking a day off is higher than thou shalt not kill, murder, stealing, adultery. But yet this is the one commandment that you and I have no problem breaking. We're not killing people. We're not committing adultery. At least you better not be. We're not stealing. But this one, this one sounds more like a suggestion something kind of sweet, something kind of old-fashioned. This was something much easier to do, Jeremy, back in the 1950s when Andy Griffith would sit out after Sunday morning service and fried chicken and pecan pie and play his guitar. You know, 70 years ago, that's what they did on the Sabbath. That was a lot easier to do back then. But Jeremy, that's not today. We're 21st century people. We've got things to do. There's, there's things to do. There's people to see. This just isn't realistic for me. This is challenging for me, Jeremy. But what about this is so important to God that he would make it such a high priority? Here's the reason. It's because it's God's gift. It's actually a gift 
to us from God. Because think about it, God's not getting anything out of this deal. He created us to live in this cycle of seven, six days of work and accomplishment and one day to be renewed and recharged. So let me remind you of the context a little bit, okay? Because before he gives this command, <coughs> excuse me, remember that his people had been slaves for 400 plus years in Egypt. He delivers them from slavery and brings them into the wilderness. And there's 2 million people that God's got now, and he's got to uh, take them to a place where there's not nearly enough water, there's not nearly enough food to sustain them. But God takes them into this wilderness to teach them the most important lesson of all, and it's this. Depend on me. You must depend on me. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down for number one. The Sabbath is my declaration of dependence on God. The Sabbath is my declaration of dependence on God. So they're in the wilderness they brought some food with them, but it begins to run out pretty quickly. So they begin to cry out to God and he provides for them by sending this kind of this wafer flake type substance that we now call manna. Do you know what the word manna actually means? It means, what is it? It's like, who's on first? What's on second? I don't know on third. It's this game. What is it? And God's like, yes. That's what it is. It's called manna, which is what they said when they first saw this. Let's look in Exodus chapter 16, verses 26 through 30. Gather the food for six days, but the seventh, seventh day is the Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground for you on that day. Some of the people went out anyway to gather food, even though it was the Sabbath day, but there was none to be found. How long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions, the Lord asked Moses. Do they not realize that I've given them the seventh day, the Sabbath as a day of rest? That is why I give you twice as much food on the sixth day, so there will be enough food for two days. On the Sabbath, you must stay in your places. Do not pick up food from the ground on that day. So the people rested on the seventh day. God says, gather for six days, and on the sixth day, gather enough for two days. I will provide for you. God is saying that you can depend on me for your daily bread. Do you see what he does here? He provides seven days of provision in just six days of work. God knew that in time they would enter into the promised land and occupy cities that they didn't build, harvest crops that they never planted. And the tendency would be just to settle into the busyness of life, the striving and the striving to accomplish and provide for me and for mine and to forget and depend on the one who made it all. But for them, this was a life and death command. I mean, think about it. In their culture, one day off could be a disaster. One day off could mean that you go hungry. But God says, I want you to depend on me for your provision. I want you to depend on me for your daily bread. And that's why God took 40 years to establish this cycle of seven days of provision with only six days of labor. The Sabbath should be our declaration of dependence on God. He's the one who gives it all even my ability to work the other six days. We forget to thank God for that. We get, forget to thank God to say, God, I'm able to work the other six days. Thank you that I'm able to do that. So the nation of Israel is in the wilderness and in the Bible, the wilderness really is basically the picture of life that we find ourselves in the world that we live now. There's no water that can sustain your, your soul in this world. You cannot get what you need from your job. You cannot get what you need from your relationships. You cannot get 
what you need, what you need from your successes, no matter how many accomplishments you do, you cannot get what your soul needs through any of those things. This world is a hostile place. We all know that. You see, God didn't create the wilderness for us to live in. He created a garden. But because of our sin, the world around us becomes a wilderness. And as a result, we walk around and we face pain and we face hurt. And even some of the things that we're going, some of the challenges that we face economically right now in our country, there's brokenness, there's devastation. There's all these things that we have to navigate through. And God says, in the wilderness, you can't get what you need just from the stuff of this life. As important as your accomplishments are, as important as moving forward is, it will not sustain you. And God says the most important thing is dependence on me. And I don't know about you, but I've yet to learn this. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to get better at this as I grow in my relationship with Jesus. I'm trying to get better at not attaching my identity with what I do. And we all do that. Sometimes I forget that I'm just Jeremy and I've got this mission for God here on this earth. And I remember uh, for years, Janet used to, she used to introduce herself. She'd say, hi, I'm Jeremy's wife. I'm Jeremy's wife. I'm Jeremy's wife. I'm Jeremy's wife. And then I remember a lady pulled her aside one time and said, stop doing that. Say, hi, I'm Janet. Jeremy's my husband. Change it. Find your own identity. Your identity is not just Jeremy's wife. But we do that all the time. We attach what we do with who we are. And before we know it, we forgot our identity in Jesus. And instead, it's attached to what we do. And what we do is so temporary, right? How many times have we switched jobs? <laughs> and now we're no longer that identity. Now we're this identity. Our identity is in Jesus. And yet sometimes God walks us through these wilderness places in our life. Matter of fact, some of you might be in one of those wilderness places right now. And it's in those wilderness places that God says, depend on me because I'm trustworthy. You can count on me. You can lean on me. You can't be the ultimate provision for yourself or your family without Jesus. The Sabbath is all about trusting God enough to actually obey it and rest. It's a statement about what you believe to really be and who you really believe to be trustworthy. For six days, do what needs to be done. But for 24 hours, one day a week, join God in what he did because he set the example for us. This passage from Exodus is looking back to the Genesis creation account. God did all of his creative work. And at the end of each day, he said, it is good. But at the end of the sixth day, he said, it is very good. And then he rests on the seventh. God creates rest on the seventh day, and he creates a pattern for us. God didn't need a day of rest. <laughs> He's God. He took a day to reflect on what he had just created, to be an example of what he wants for us as well. And you and I need to follow this pattern of work and rest and reflect to set apart a different day, a unique day, a day where I can depend on the one who actually made it all anyway. This commandment is unique because it's not just a belief thing or a moral thing. It's an actual physical act of dependence and obedience on God. 
Because I don't have to do a heart check to see if I'm doing this. I don't have to do a soul check to see if I'm doing this. It's a physical thing. I can look at my life and see whether or not I'm obeying this commandment. That takes us to fill in number two. Write this down for number two. The Sabbath allows me to experience rest and peace. Rest and peace. Exodus 23, 12 says this. Work for six days and rest on the seventh. This will give your ox and your donkey a chance to rest. It will also allow the people of your household including your slaves and visitors, to be refreshed. Translation, stop working. One day a week, stop. That's a pretty straightforward definition, right? Our tendency, though, is to get all legalistic with this because that's what the nation of Israel began to do. They added things like, okay, you can lift a cup, but you can't lift a bucket. And God's like, where where did that come from? They said things like, you can walk this distance, but you can't walk this distance. They started making up stuff. It got very complicated as they were trying to figure out how to quote unquote, not work on the Sabbath. Look, God, he's not trying to add an entirely different complex structure to your life. He's trying to give us a moment to be at peace because we all know how many of you are really, really good about adding stress to your life that you don't need. We all do that. And we all have pressure points those pressure points in our lives and in our, in, our, in our spirits and in mentally and emotionally and relationally that just drive us to keep working. But instead, God wants us to rest. I mentioned before that a lot of time during my week, Pastor Dave and I, we, we, we spend a lot of our week gearing up for this day. We have a term paper and a presentation due every single week and I've got to get, keep your attention for 30 minutes so you'll come back next week, right? And there are times that those things can take over our thoughts. As I look into the future, it's Sunday, 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 forever. Over the next 10 years, I'll probably preach 500 sermons. And we start looking at it and say, what are we going to preach on? What's the next series going to be? What if, what if people don't like this? What's, what's going to happen in culture that we have to kind of frame our, our messages around to get people to see the good news of Jesus instead of the lies of the enemy? Those things go, in my, go throughout my mind all the time. Your job probably does the same thing. Where's my next sale? Who's my next client? Where's the next tough conversation going to come from? What if I get laid off? What if I can't provide for my family? What if there's another pandemic? What am I going to do? Pressure, pressure, pressure. And you and I were not created to be these perpetual motion machines. God designed us to live with a 24-hour period every seven days where we unplug, where we recharge. And here's the thing. God promises to be faithful. We can depend on him for our provision. And this is not a command just for preachers. It was for farmers and for artists and for teachers and for contractors, for every one of us. He says, depend on me and it will reinvigorate your life. Let me put it this way. I've asked this before, and it's really a haunting question, but what would a 24-hour day of nothing but peace look like in your life? What would that look like? What would have to happen in your life for you to sit in total peace for 24 hours? That changes things, doesn't it? (laughs) For some of you, it might be catching up on sleep. 
For some of you, you might need to read a book. For some, it's going out and riding a bike or planting some flowers or cooking a meal for your family or going to the golf course. If you do that, go after church and I'll go with you. But what would it look like? Maybe to just go to Monterey for the day or to go to the mountains for the day. What would it look like to just sit in a 24-hour state of peace? The Sabbath is meant to be a day where you're not striving to provide and get ahead. It's not making sure that more items get crossed off your to, to your to-do list somewhere, but instead it's a day to be renewed and refreshed and recharged. God is gifting this to us. What are we doing with it? Take a day off. Take a breather. Be refreshed. And that takes us to fill in number three. The Sabbath makes space for a relationship with God and others. The Sabbath makes space for a relationship with God and others. Leviticus 23.3. You may work for six days each week, but on the seventh day, all work must come to a complete stop. It is the Lord's Sabbath day of complete rest, a holy day to assemble for worship. Do you see that? A holy day to assemble for worship. It must be observed wherever you live. Part of taking a day of rest is that you get to slow down enough to remember what matters most. You get to slow down enough to hear God's voice. You get to slow down enough to reconnect with him. You get to slow down enough to reestablish relationships with the ones that you really love. Now, personally, when I'm going 100 miles an hour through life, I don't know about you, but when I'm going that fast, that hard, I tend to not be able to hear God's voice. I've got a four-page to-do list that's always calling my name. I feel like I always should be hammering at it, just chipping off this, this, this checklist of what I need to do or, or else I'm not really doing all that I can. And can I tell you the weird kind of sick part of this? As my role as a pastor, I justify a lot of it by saying, well, I'm just doing, doing God's work. I'm building God's kingdom so I can't slow down. There's more to do. There's more to do. And I wonder sometimes if God's saying, yeah, Jeremy, I, I don't know what I would do without you. <laughs> I mean, it's all on your shoulders, Jeremy. I mean, without you, the kingdom just isn't going to be built. <laughs> Here's what I've realized is that I'm not really that important. None of us are. I think we really exaggerate the view of our own importance. And God is saying, no, I know you. I love you. I created you. I made you. You can depend on me. I will provide for you. But are we willing to step off of our treadmills long enough to connect with God? Slow down long enough to really hear his voice. Slow down long enough to really be renewed and recharged. Isn't it funny sometimes how we have an all-powerful God who rested, but yet we who are not all-powerful don't think that we can? If it's good enough for God, it is good enough for us. This verse from Leviticus that we read also says that it's a day to come together, to be together, worshiping our God together. That's what we do here for an hour a week. We come together and we worship as a faith community. We worship as a faith family. That's why this day, this one hour that we spend together is so huge. It's so important to God. God is saying, don't stop doing this. Come together and honor me. Come together and depend on me. Come together and make my name known. Now, your Sabbath, 
your day of rest. It may not be Sunday. I know for us and our team, Sunday is not really a day of rest for us. But it is my day of remembrance. It's my day of worship to gather with my spiritual faith family that I get to do this every single week and worship with the family that God has put together here for this campus. I love this moment. I love this time of week. That takes us to our last fill-in. Write this down. The Sabbath is God's gift to me. The Sabbath is God's gift to me. Mark 2.27 says this, and Jesus said to them, I love this, the Sabbath was made to benefit people and not people to benefit the Sabbath. Let me say this as I close. Please don't get caught up in the legalism of this command. Remember, God didn't give the Ten Commandments to make bad people good. He gave them so that free people could stay free. And God wants us to be free. He wants us to be renewed. He wants us to be refreshed. He wants us to be connected to him. One day a week for 24 hours, just how can I best connect with God today? Jesus said that the Sabbath day was made to benefit us. It is a gift from the Lord. And I know some of you have been thinking during, during, this, during this message, Jeremy, that's great. It sounds amazing. It looks good on paper. But it's just not realistic. It's not realistic for me, Jeremy, because there's just too much to do. And here's what I'm discovering in this. I'm finding that when we put things like this off, when we ignore things like this, we're actually creating a sickness to begin taking root in our soul. We're saying, I just can't trust you in this, God. There's too much to do, and I can't take a day off. Listen, I've seen this happen way too many times. <coughs> Excuse me. If you don't rest your body, if you don't rest your mind, if you don't rest your soul, your body will rest you for you. I've seen it happen way too many times, whether it's a nervous breakdown, whether it's a panic attack or just a slow breakdown of your body physically, your body will tell you and make you rest. There's a pastor friend of mine right now that was go, go, go seven days a week. We counseled him. We told him he needs to slow down. He needs to take a break. He needs to take a sabbatical. He wouldn't listen. And then he found himself in the hospital. He was in there for a week. They were monitoring his heart. And the doctors told him, if you do not pause, if you do not rest, this is going to kill you. And it took that to get him to slow down. God doesn't want us to get that far before we finally listen. That's why this sabbatical thing is so crucial. It's really a declaration of dependence on God. Remember, it's his gift to us to rest. So here's my challenge for all of us. What will a Sabbath look like for you over the next couple of weeks? Let's do it together. Can you discipline yourself and can you force yourself to push everything aside and really focus on what is important to God for a 24-hour period? Whether it's, like I said, catching up on your sleep, doing something, just a fun activity, hanging out with your family, cooking a meal, whatever it is. Pushing work aside for a 24-hour period to say, today, God, I'm going to rest my mind. I'm going to rest my soul. I'm going to rest my spirit. I'm going to, I'm going to rest in my relationships. I'm going to, whatever, whatever it is that's creating distractions, 
from you being able to truly connect with God? Do we really have the discipline to push it aside and say, today, Lord, I'm giving you this day. I'm going to obey your command, and I'm going to honor the Sabbath. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we know that this is so important to us. Father, we weren't created to be these beings who just never slow down. We weren't created to be these, these beings who think that we, <laughs> that we got this thing figured out better than you do, God, because you rested and you did it to create a pattern for us. So, Father, I pray over every single person in this room right now, Lord, may we heed this commandment. May we heed this warning of what it can happen, what can happen on the inside of us to our souls and our spirits, to our minds, to our relationships, to our health, if we're not obedient to this commandment. Give us the discipline to be, to be obedient, to lean in on you, to really trust you and say, I'm able to do this because God is my provision. I'm able to do this because God is good. I'm able to do this because God is trustworthy. And there's nothing more important in my life than than keeping a healthy relationship, keeping a healthy connectivity to the Holy Spirit in my life. Let us obey your word. Lord, I just pray over everyone in here, Lord, as we go our separate ways, Father. I pray that the, that the message this morning, Lord, has burned its way into our spirits, Lord. It's found root. And God, you're going to water it. And it's going to grow in our lives so that we can honor you more and more. Keep us safe. Keep us protected, Lord. Bring us back next week ready to assemble together like, like you want us to do and worship your name. Give you honor and give you glory and make you famous. Lord, it's all about you. We push ourselves aside and we focus on you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here this morning at New Life Patterson. Don't forget, if you are here for the first time, we have a gift for you as you head out. Go to our Welcome Center and either Miss Anna or Pastor Tito will be there. And also, if you have any questions about the Thrivent uh, resource that we have available to you, you can see uh, Larry or or uh, pick those up at our Welcome Center as well. And if you came prepared to give, you can do that on your way out as well. Hey, there's a lot of great things happening here at New Life Patterson. We want you to keep coming back. We'll see you next Sunday. Bring somebody with you so they can see what God is doing as well. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.